you know why you get out of bed in the morning and it's meaningful work and it's tough work. But we're also a community of people that understands that, values that, and supports one another in that. Welcome to Talking About Kids. I am your host, R. Bradley Snyder, researcher, activist, and author of The Five Simple Truths of Raising Kids. You know, in my experience, career days at schools tend to be pretty generic. Students hear from doctors and lawyers, but they rarely hear from professionals who work for governments or nonprofits. Despite the tremendous impact that these sectors have, they rarely get much attention. You know, this is something that you teachers and direct service providers in my audience understand all too well. So I decided to do an episode entitled, How to Prepare Kids for Careers in Public Service. And my guest is Terry Babcock-Lumish. Terry is the perfect guest for this episode. She has worked at every level of government, local, state, and federal. She has trained young would-be public servants for some of the world's most egalitarian and most exclusive universities. And she is now the executive secretary of the Harry S. Truman Scholarship Foundation, the premier graduate fellowship in the United States for public service leadership, awarding life-changing scholarships to 50-plus students each year. Terry is dedicated, smart, funny, and, and busy, which is why I'm so grateful she found the time to share her insights with us. This podcast was sponsored in part by the Arizona Department of Health Services' Must Stop Bullying campaign through its Title V Maternal and Child Health Program. For more information, go to muststopbullying.org. And now, the interview. Back in the 1970s, President Truman was getting up in years. He was approached by bipartisan admirers, asked what he wanted for his memorial. And now, understandably, I, I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C., the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, our, our monuments and memorials, they're beautiful and inspiring, and I love them, but President Truman was the last American president who did not go to college. And he was an improbable, some might say even accidental, American president who came from humble roots as a, a Missouri farmer, haberdasher, um, soldier. And, uh, you know, when President Roosevelt died, he went to the White House thinking, as he was summoned to the White House uh, from the Hill at the time, thinking he was going to be speaking to the president. Sure enough, he wound up becoming the president. Mm -hmm. And so everything about his administration we can look at in a remarkable, um, well, it's a great example of someone who rose to meet the challenges of his moment, and those are particularly tumultuous times for sure. Anyways, fast forward to the 1970s when he was approached by admirers, asked what he wanted as his memorial, the expectation, and understandably so, was a granite or marble thing. And he bristled at that prompt. He said that didn't do a lick of good and specifically requested a living memorial. So fast forward, we were founded um, by statute in 1975. We're an independent agency within the White House complex. 
And our first class was 45 years ago in 1977. And as you and I certainly share some Arizona history together, um, Jet Napolitano, uh, former governor of Arizona, right. was our uh, in our inaugural class, New Mexico, 1977. She went on to have quite a, a distinguished career in public service. We're still appreciative of all that she does do. But anyways, we were created specifically to identify one person per state uh, from every state in the nation, plus D.C. and the U.S. territories, making a commitment to a career in public service and not just supporting them in uh, graduate school. And certainly we have a, a, a really remarkable array of Truman scholars pursuing so many different degrees, an MD, a PhD, an MFA, an MDiv, uh, you know, policy degrees, you name it but then continuing to support them over the course of life and career. And so we identify by state and year, certainly, as you know, you're Arizona 92, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I'm Pennsylvania right. 96. So we kind of identify by state and year, and we now have over 3,400 Truman Scholars. Many um, names that people will know, but certainly plenty of people who just have their head down doing the work, whose names you may never know, but our, our, our communities are better because of the work that they do. I think for many listeners, when they think of a public servant, they might think of that person that they interact with at the DMV, or they might think of an elected official. Tell me about some of the, the kinds of careers that make up public service. Sure. Well, I think we all uh, are very familiar with some of the maybe more um, uh, noteworthy paths. I mean, we all can see people who are serving an elected office, but we really, really rely on uh, such a diversity of um, public servants who are uh, doing incredibly important work. And we can pretty much name most any issue. Uh, we probably have a Truman Scholar working on. In fact, as we look at the past few years, most everything we see churning in our headlines, there is probably a Truman Scholar engaged. And so when it comes to government, I mean, we see Truman's working local, state, federal. We see people who are working um, as civil servants in elected mm -hmm. office. But the reality is it's a much bigger uh, ecosystem of doing good, I would say, in that we have people working uh, in nonprofits and non-governmental organizations. We have people serving as civilians. We have people in uniform as leaders or commanders of storied military units. We have people working overseas, whether they be ambassadors or um, people who are working, um, engaging with international organizations in, in any range of ways. We have people who are uh, physicians, professors, uh, artists, scientists. Uh, there is no one size fits all for a Truman Scholar. And so that's what I think is also really exciting. Mm. We are a community that, I mean, we all know people who sit on the sidelines and, and, and complain. And one of the things that I love about Truman Scholars, and you know many of them, you've also been involved with selection, so you, you, you've helped me with this, but it's those who have a theory of change. It's when you see a challenge, when you see a problem, and you jump in and you figure out, well, what do we do about it? What, what, what is it we could possibly do? How do we marshal resources and people and, and be able to really move beyond dialogue to action? to dig into these challenges we face. And in some ways, it's the challenges we know today as so we can look around our communities, but even just take a, a novel um, uh, virus, you know, what are the challenges that we don't even know yet that we will encounter, but how is it we would train good people who are going to be ready to meet the moment um, and, and the challenge that perhaps we don't even have a name for yet? 
Absolutely. And you're right. I, I've been privileged to be to sit on some of these selection committees and interview young people who are applying for a Truman Scholarship. And I'm always amazed at the diversity and breadth of their interests. When you look at the Truman Scholars that you've met um, either in the current or more recent classes or over time, can you think of what, what are some of the more unique ways in which Truman Scholars are, are serving the country? I love that question, and I could give you dozens of responses. I mean, don't get me wrong; we we need folks who are um, lawyers and teachers, and and you know these are very very well um, uh, trodden paths for Truman scholars, uh, right. elected officials, uh, and, and you know certainly there are many many great people who are very different certainly, but those would be the more common paths. Uh, but I think about someone who is really dedicated to honeybees. And I vividly remember the first time I read an application where I just thought, wow, I, I, I've just learned more about honeybees, the importance of pollinators. <laughs> and, you know, today we have a Truman Scholar who I think of when I enjoy honey because I have reason to believe that her fingerprints are in some way on whether it's the science, the policy, uh, or otherwise when it comes to uh, our recognizing um, the importance of honeybees in our, in our ecosystems. Um, we have another Truman Scholar who does absolutely magnificent murals. I think we all mm. can think about walking through, um, you know, name the city and, you know, seeing a mural that just captivates and whether there is, um, you know, something that uh, sort of um, engenders pride in one's community or there's a political statement or otherwise. Um, this is a Truman Scholar who currently is doing graduate work um, uh, here in D.C. working on an MFA and does phenomenal, phenomenal work. And I am always excited to see what her latest project is. Um, we have Truman Scholars who are working on vaccine acceleration. We have uh, a Truman Scholar who was one of the very first, um, uh, well, with the repeal of the combat exclusion policy for women, one of the first army rangers. And oh, wow. that's amazing. And there, there, there really are so many people who frankly I'm inspired by on a daily basis. There's no exaggeration to say I'm inspired by our Trumans on a daily basis uh, who are doing wildly different things. And I love it. So I think it's easy for my audience to understand the impact that these careers are having. But are they good careers? I, I only I mention that because you know the we don't see public servants in the news a lot unless they're running for office. And or unless they've made a mistake, sure. the, the Truman scholars that you've met, are they happy? Are they fulfilled? Are they happy with their choices? I love that question. And, and I think you speak to um, something that's very on brand for the Truman scholarship in Truman is in he wasn't the guy who was jumping up and down um, looking to be in the spotlight. I think so often the work of uh, and I'll speak specifically to government so often we do not notice when our air is clean. We do not mm. notice when our streets are paved. We do not notice when, you know, our social security checks arrive promptly. Oftentimes the work of government is just understated and quiet. You notice the DMV when you have a really bad day at the DMV. When you simply have those processes and programs and policies working effectively, they're working quietly. It's often when yeah. there's a scandal, it's often when there's something vivid and problematic that we're aware. That being said, 
the fact that so much of that good work happens under the radar, um, on the one hand, it speaks to who we are as a humble community that's simply doing the work. On the other hand, I want to shout from the rooftops some of these good right. news stories, because every single year when we identify new Truman Scholars, that is a good news story. And then, as there's no such thing as a former Truman Scholar, once a Truman, always a Truman, and we support our Truman Scholars in their 20s, when they're selected, their 40s, their 60s, and... Um, Service looks different for different people and at different mm -hmm. chapters in life. So I guess something else I would say is when you ask, are people happy or you ask, are these good paths, there's a sense of purpose. When I come across Trumans who I think are just really doing that honorable, admirable work, oftentimes it's not sexy work, but you know why you're getting out of bed in the morning. When you're mm -hmm. working to resettle refugees, when you're working to help ensure that healthcare systems are supporting people in the ways they need and not just as a collection of body parts, but as whole people. Oftentimes, you know why you get out of bed in the morning mm -hmm. and it's meaningful work and it's tough work, but we're also a community of people that understands that, values that and supports one another in that. Thinking about that path and thinking about all the pressures that smart, dedicated people are under how does an organization like the Harry S. Truman Scholarship Foundation support young people that think that they might be interested in this lifelong commitment? How does it support them and prepare them for that journey? So I can certainly speak to the programs we have and the work we do, but I wonder if it might be helpful even to go a little bit more upstream, as I know you have a lot of teachers and parents who listen. Mm -hmm. And so I think about even before anyone gets to us, there are so many people who have touched people's lives and young people's lives and mm -hmm. encouraged them to think about what are the challenges that we face in society and what can you do about it? And I think recognizing that good ideas can come from anywhere and in many ways empowering and encouraging young people to think about what are they concerned about and not just, again, complaining about it or thinking that's for other people, but recognizing that they could play a part in it, I think is mm. incredibly helpful even before anyone gets to us. Because so often, and, and just to explain, Truman Scholars are eligible to apply their junior year of college. And for the most part, our really great Truman candidates aren't just discovering that they care about our society when they hit time for eligibility. Oftentimes right. this is work that they are doing for years and it might be yep. that they're growing up with a dinner table conversation that encourages them to consider um, you know what's happening in the world and how do they feel about it and what might they do about it in many cases it's empowering a young person and taking them seriously that you know when they are concerned about you know the health of our planet or they're concerned about you know the quality of their education or any of a range of issues or even cybersecurity or national security whatever it might be that they have a role to play and a voice to lend. Um, our application itself, I would also argue, is part of that process. So again, whether someone becomes a Truman Scholar or not, and I do encourage people to, to apply, um, if we do our jobs right, you could stop someone at any point along the course of that application process and they're better for it. And what I mean by that is even just going through the application that requires you to think about who you are, what you care about, what are the challenges 
facing us and how is it that grad school might fit into that? But mm -hmm. then not just grad school, but where are you five to seven years later? And what mm -hmm. is that path in public service that you might take that is gonna be uniquely yours and doesn't look like anyone else's or maybe there are role models that you seek to emulate. And don't get me wrong, we're all competitive. We all like to win. But even if you're never selected as a finalist to then interview for the Truman, if on, and, and I should explain the process for how we do selection as well, but let's say you're just at your university and you compete in that local competition to for the nomination from your your school if you have because i honestly don't know that that many 20 year olds think about some of these right. really deep uh, kinds of questions and really pushing themselves to go five wise deep for what their motivations right. are and what makes them tick but even if this encourages someone to do that interrogation and reflection I'd like to think that you're better off for it. I think you're exactly right. I know that, that was my experience. Is, and I've heard it from so many other scholars and I've heard it from so many other applicants that their pursuit of their issue as a college student kind of felt lonely. So here they are in their you know late teens, early 20s, and they're passionate and working on an issue while going to school sure. and they're looking at their friends and or their peers who maybe aren't as committed to midwifery or to um you know to border issues or to you know dental care of um you know underserved communities which are all truman scholars we've met over the years and it felt lonely. And then all of a sudden, when they learned of the Truman Scholarship, not only did they, were they forced to consider their own motivations and what they wanted out of a long-term career, but they met this other community of people that maybe they didn't care about the same issues, but they were passionate about an issue that they recognized was important for a better society. So I, I, I agree with you 100%. It's... Um, connecting with this larger body of committed public servants was for me completely inspiring and really a motivator um, to do better at everything I was doing. So I agree with that a hundred percent. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If I had met you, if we had met you as a, yeah. a junior in undergrad, what would that have looked like? I mean, who were you? What were you doing? Because you and I have certainly discussed that 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 incredible experience of kind of finding right. our people. But who were you? So I was studying philosophy because I loved it, but I was spending all my free time trying to start a shelter for homeless and runaway kids because I felt it. Mm -hmm. And my... Um, my mentor, my, my um, advisor at the university had just gotten done um, chastising me for not being a better Kant scholar. I had managed to go two and a half years at the university and not learned the Germanic shorthand that Kant wrote in. And because of that, I was a disappointment to my advisor. And later that same day, after telling me I was a big disappointment, I'm walking through the commons and he is holding a class outside and he calls me over and my thought was, 
oh good, now he's going to chastise me in front of people. And instead he said, you know, Brad, um, one word came to mind as I was thinking about you, um, and that's Truman. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that he wasn't getting mad at me. So I thanked him. Thank you. Thank you for for that. Um, I appreciate it. And he said, come by my office later. And that's when he told me about the Harry S. Truman uh, Scholarship Foundation. And up until then, I thought, you know, this shelter that I was trying to start, um, did start, was important, but I, I just thought it was something that needed to be done. I didn't see how it connected me with other people or larger movements or graduate school. And so that was, uh, that absolutely started me down a path that um, I've really, really enjoyed and found. Um, I, I think the big payoff in being in these different fields is that you don't feel helpless. I think that you recognize every day when you see something that is um, hurting people or that is inequitable or that is crumbling, that you are part of a community where you know people who are making a difference and making that better. And it feels a little bit more um, empowering. Your story is spot on. And, and even though you probably felt isolated or that you were the only one on your campus who was doing right. these weird things, I, I love your story and it's pitch perfect. And I so appreciate that your professor uh, recognized that you were that good fit because that's precisely how these things happen. One never knows what an encouraging word does. And whether right. it's inspiring professor, teacher, mentor, um, you know, someone that you're serving on a board with, whatever it might be, oftentimes, because we have gone under the radar, it just takes someone saying, hey, have you heard about the Truman Scholarship? Yeah. I think you'd be great. Would you consider applying? I'd be happy to support you in this. And when you share that you were that quirky guy who just was yeah. doing incredibly important work for the unhoused, so often when Truman's goes, we bring everyone together in Missouri, where President Truman was from, for our annual Truman Scholars Leadership Week. And one of the things that we hear time and time again, and frankly, I felt at my own way back when last century was, oh, I found my people. Because so often yeah. you are the one on your campus who is doing whatever it is. And it looks very different from, you know, many, many others. But again, that core commitment to service um, is powerful. And at the end of the day, also, we don't select people working on the low-hanging fruit. So if you're really working on the toughest of the tough, it's you know housing insecurity, it's food insecurity, right. it's national security, whatever it might be, good people need to know one another and they need to join forces for good. So to conclude here, Terry, I think, um, what sort of advice do you have for parents or, or teachers or somebody working in an after-school program that has a kid in their life that is, you know, committed to an issue, and they think maybe they they want this child to take it as far as they can, and, and maybe even become a Truman Scholar along the way. What advice do you have for them? So one of my favorite quotes from President Truman is that not all readers are leaders, but mm. all leaders are readers, and. I think there's a lot to be said for being sort of a bundle of ambitious energy and working, whether it's at the food pantry yeah. or, you know, on the political campaign or wherever it might be. I find that 
young people who really develop that theory of change for why they do yeah. what they do and understanding systems, understanding yeah. how some of these systems come into play and can be brought to bear in making the change they want to see. I encourage people to read deeply and broadly. It's fiction, it's non, it's news, it's a diversity of news sources and not just becoming passive uh, recipients of what they're reading or listening to, but really um, being critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. And there are many, many things I would encourage people to do if interested in possibly pursuing a path in public service. But one thing that I would absolutely positively encourage anyone who's inspiring and mentoring a young person is to encourage them to read. And, yeah. and I don't think I can emphasize that enough. And that isn't just the iconic McCullough biography, but I do encourage that. But regardless of what your area of interest or issue might be, um, to just give yourself permission to read everything you possibly can and then really think about it, engage on it, and have fun with it. That's such great advice. And, and I, think in, I think that it takes so much courage for a young person to stand up for an issue. And sometimes it, it does feel like the only, maybe the only source of strength for a young person is their individuality. But ultimately, to be successful in any sort of the endeavors that we've talked about, you need those connections, you need to fit into a larger movement, you need to understand what's happened before you so you can know where it needs to go in the future. And so as soon as you've developed that individual, um, that individual strength, reading so that you understand the breadth of the issue and how to work with other people to have the greatest impact is, is so very important. Um, Terry, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to my listeners today. Um, I'm a huge fan of your work at the Harry S. Truman Scholarship Foundation and, and actually all the work that you did before that as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I think we have a mutual admiration society, so please know how much we appreciate you. We are proud to call you a Truman Scholar. <laughs> we are grateful for you and your work. Keep up the great work. Best of luck to all of your listeners, your audience, as obviously um, they are very much doing this work of public service, which we are so grateful for. That was Terry Babcock-Lumish. For more information about Terry and the Harry S. Truman Scholarship Foundation, please visit TalkingAboutKids.com. From there, you can also find out about upcoming episodes, suggest a topic, learn more about me and my books, or submit your questions for future guests. Our theme song is by The Senators. For more of their music, go to thesenatorsmusic.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Talking About Kids is a weekly podcast, so please subscribe. And remember, kids are young goats and young humans. And the difference is that young goats are easier to manage. 